So, shit, we've got, oh, this is like a dramatic moment. How do I fucking introduce Boo? Shit. Oh, uh, top of the morning, top of the morning, top of the morning, top of the morning, top of the, hold on, let's get this shit, let's get this shit, let's get this shit, like, hmm? That's going in before the intro music. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Singles, a music podcast on the internet which is good for your ears. I am Rex, as you may know. Hey, Rex. However, hey, hey there. Um, <laughs> I fucking jumped the gun. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm cutting it loud. Hi, who's your guest? Who's your guest? <laughs> uh, um, and as. <laughs> There you go. Um, wonderful guest you've just heard is Hannah Yolo. Say hello, Hannah. Hi, it's Hannah Yolo. Um, and joining me and Hannah today is not regular co-host Autumn. It is my wonderful pleasure to say new regular co-host, the one, the only, the ultimate, Buchanan. Hey, everybody. Hey, Buchanan. Yeah. yeah. I'm on the podcast again. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> so it's like you've got a one-up on us by getting by your back. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Boo's going to be jumping on regularly now. I'm very, very excited. We've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Yeah. Should we just get going? Yeah, I think so. It's. Uh, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm really, 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 really excited to have another, like, yet another avenue where I can just not shut up about music that I like. And that music that my friends like. It's so it's yeah. so important. It's mm-hmm. so important. I love it. I love you guys, and I'm ready to rock. Let's do this. So, three albums we're covering this week. Uh, first off, we will be doing Hannah's pick, which is... You want me to say? Oh, please. Go for it. All right. My pick is My Teenage Dream Ended by Farrah Abraham. Woo! Um, Woo! Next up, I am bringing Caroline Polachek's Pang. And I... <laughs> uh, and I am bringing underscores of Six Impala's debut singer-songwriter record, Fishmonger. Hell yeah. All right, let's, let's fucking go. Um, this fucking fire Abraham record. Uh, <laughs> hey, you called last night? I can only put so much in a song. I know no situation is ever the same. Things I use my face. 
many other days planned for you I still look forward to talking to you I still pictured us together Yeah, the whole you and I forever <laughs> yes yes okay so there's um there's like backstory to this um uh fair abraham is a like i guess she kind of came to providence first through uh reality tv like mtv kind of you know like trashy documentary reality tv as opposed to like the competition type um the show 16 and pregnant and teen mom featured her prominently and uh, during the production of, I believe, 16 and Pregnant, she started to strike up a friendship with a fellow named Frederick M. Cuevas, uh, who was working as like a mixing engineer on the program. Uh, and they just started talking. They, they, you know, became friends. And then one day, uh, Farah showed him the song Cinema by Benny Benassi. Do you know that song, guys? Sure do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like, I like this song. I think I'd like to make a song like it. Can we make a song together? And Frederick was like, well, y you you know that I'm not like a songwriter, right? Like I do audio engineering for this TV show. And she's like, yeah, but we'll make it work. And um, they did, as it turns out. Um, the recording process of this album is like, something that Cuevas has opened up about in like the the years since there's this like 2017 interview where he really like goes into depth about um how weird of an experience it was um because Pharaoh is basically like very kind of like self-conscious and uh like shy about a lot of it um a lot of like the subject matter that the, the album deals with is like really dark stuff about um having the experience of having her like on again off and again boyfriend die when she was like still a teenager um and having to raise the child that she had with that boyfriend a child that she had wanted to get aborted but that she was pressured into keeping by her mom and all the while getting you know like exploited by various like reality tv producers so it's this very like confessional very like grief-stricken album it's been described as like you know uh, an inside view into a nervous breakdown and um she understandably had like a few needs for the recording process um she never heard uh frederick's tracks until it was like pretty much over she would just like show him uh like a lit a, a notebook full of poems that she had written basically and frederick was like okay well you're gonna have to like 
these are poems, but they're all kind of like free verse, right? You're going to have to um, put them to some kind of rhythm, some kind of melody. And if you don't want to like listen to a track while you're doing that, then I can just give you a click track and you can work off of that. So she would just sing the poems that she had written to her click track, send him the files. He would send her his tracks that he wrote for the, the poems to be under. And then um, she would pretty much just say like, yeah, I like this. Yeah, I don't like this, etc. Um, so very interesting <laughs> recording process. And what it added up to was uh, at the time by many, uh, like, I guess, professional critics called like the worst album of all time. Um, obviously, I don't feel that way. Yeah, th yeah. those guys were wrong. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're allowed to make that cool now, yeah. Yeah, um, it's and to be clear, this is one that, like, there's still a lot of people that still say, like, no, this fucking sucks and whatnot, but it had a remarkably quick, like, reclamation. Um, there's shit that I want to talk about with the reclamation because, like, I still feel like the way that it's been reclaimed is kind of, like, condescending and backhanded in a lot of ways. Yep, But yep. Um, it's... There are a lot of people now who, like, recognize that, like oh, this is actually, like, a really good album. I think that, like, um, he wasn't the first guy to, to talk about it in this way, but I know that um, Anthony Fantano put it on his, like, best albums of the decade list, and that kind of, like, sparked a lot of, you know, broader reappraisal of it from people who, like, you know, exist in the, the, the kind of music criticism community as, like, remoras on Anthony Fantano world. Um. <laughs> just in terms of the one contemporaneous like really positive review was the of course the tiny mixtapes one which gave it a four out of five and also put it on a on its end of decade list in a remarkably yeah. high position so yeah like there are going to be those people who like think it's captured something but yes yes yeah um and okay so like we've talked a lot about like the context of it right it's its status mm -hmm. out as outsider art, like the really weird way that it's been um, like produced, um, the, the the kind of like emotional backstory that Pharaoh is coming to this all with. Um, what is this album like musically? Um, I can give my thoughts on what it's like musically and like what the immediate reference are, but I would love to hear from you guys. Like, if you had to just like genuinely describe this album on a musical level without any of that like you know social context behind it what would you say about it e all of the above <laughs> yeah it's <sighs> it is it's this it's i i i'm gonna be honest i i really don't know it's it's i don't want to say stuff like it's like like clashing tonal sounds or anything like i, I don't want to be like so prescriptivist about it but the it's it's such a it's it's such a unique and powerful space that it exists in uh like yeah. there's 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 like old school like dubstep wobbles uh like beautiful like final fantasy piano pieces it's there's this this record literally does everything to a degree of kick assness <laughs> that <laughs> that i think is is remarkable it's yeah. completely remarkable Cards out yeah. on the table. I don't think that the reclamation of this shit has gone far enough. Um, it's so fucking good. <laughs> um, okay. Objective things that I can say about this album. Farrah's vocals are highly auto-tuned in the way where it's like, 
you, you know how like there are people who use autotune as an instrument right um i think like obviously the the biggest most famous example is like oh t-pain can really sing um he just does that because it's like a, a, a deliberate artistic choice to do that with his voice um mm-hmm. i'm not sure if farah can sing i get the the impression that like probably no but the autotune that's being used here is not like a genuine attempt to kind of just like correct her to a pitch and make it sound like she is just like kind of singing with perfect pitch. Um, it's it's heavily distorted. It's heavily like, you know, uh, uh, roboticized in a way while she's speaking about these like incredibly emotionally intense things. Um, the music itself, like Buchanan mentioned, there's dubstep in there. There's... Um, you guys remember Witch House? Was a genre. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. This, yep. this is yep. a fucking Witch House record. Um, yep. Yep. There's a lot of very cool break beats in the production. Um, yep. And a lot of these, like, we're, we're talking about them as, you know, when, when Buchanan says, like, all of the above. Um, it's like, okay, so does it shift, like, between those during, so- like, between songs? And the answer is like, yeah, it absolutely does that. But also, like, within songs. Um, there's There's, like very like sharp transitions within songs of like oh i thought that it was this type of production here but it actually just like did a complete 180 um and the lyrics themselves are fucking heartbreaking they are they are (laughs) gut-wrenching so brutal and and this is i think i want to hand it over to regs for uh uh, soon because i know you were going to say some some stuff about this but this is the place where i feel like the the reclamation is insufficient and condescending because people act like oh she accidentally made this album about like you know unimaginable ineffable grief and it's like no i think she did that on purpose and like (laughs) (laughs) it's like i'm sorry if you if you are experiencing unimaginable grief and you make an album about unimaginable grief that successfully conveys the experience of unimaginable grief, then you didn't do that accidentally. No, exactly, yeah. So so the, just to loop back onto what it sounds like, there is a level on which amateurishness is not a failure in and of itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, anyone who's tried to make music knows there are fra- uh, phases through which in the like learning process of making music, you make stuff that is grotesque, horrible, like garish, Mm-hmm. like straight up bizarre sometimes stuff that doesn't work like quote unquote but that like has a character or a charm to it that like conveys the things you're after but not like in a refined way yeah and there are loads of bits in this album that are like approaching refinement but don't quite manage it fully and that like i think on a vulgar level people will look at this and think like oh it's not sufficiently refined to really be considered an actual piece of music it's just like some like like chicken scratchings and Part of the part of exactly what you said is like part of its ability to communicate the things it's trying to communicate is all of its like scratchy, like slightly incoherent, slightly overwhelming plastic equality in places. Yeah. Um, the other side of it, though, is that like the the the, the end product, the, the combination of sounds and lyricism ends up being about as like terrifying and overwhelming and emotionally striking as I think anything I've heard in the last while. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the 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 track I keep coming back to is Sunshine State, which <laughs> that track is so fucking intense. 
It's crazy. It's the, it is the the best worst club night experience you've ever had. It's an absolute complete fucking fever dream. Um, it's it's and just, I know that people overuse this word a lot, but it feels Lynchian. Yes, absolutely. It, yep, yep. It's just heightened in a way that like you know all the component sources. You know what that like like electro house stab is, or you know what that like um that like uh what, like fucking early two thousands club like guitar stab is or whatever yeah but you know what this is supposed to sound you don't like. know them in this context you don't yeah you don't they suddenly feel like they're out to get you because you haven't heard them like tidied <laughs> yes. away where they should be in the mix like suddenly that that dubstep <laughs> suddenly that dubstep bass wobble is literally like the earth breaking underneath you trying to swallow you up because like yeah you're, you're not in the, the seating area of like a nice club anymore that the, the people in the nice club are after your soul and they are going to destroy you and this is the sound of it as it happens mm-hmm. um yep. yep yeah this is a terrifying track and like i think is for me the most like heightened moment on an album that's like absolutely full of elements like that where like because of its wonkiness because of its like heightenedness if that's a way of putting it mm-hmm. it feels so much more special than if it were tidy yeah um after prom is a, another one where just like it, it, this is the one where it's most striking to me like very frequently the scale that the auto tune is keyed into is not anything related to the key of the track yeah um in after prom it's a whole minor third up like it's just not related whatsoever <laughs> um so you just end up with clashes all over the place and it just feels like there's this weird like like alien quality to the vocals like I, I don't want to call it that this this like derealization moment it isn't it's meant to, to be this like i can tell the way it's straining towards emotional sincerity and the ways in which it fucks up are so distressing that it communicates the whole package of the like emotional color of the album yeah immensely effectively there's there's a couple of things that i i, I want to say in response to that like first off i think the idea that this album sounds like it's trying to get you is 100 correct <laughs> and an extremely yep. powerful way to describe it um i think as well that like um so so i i i wrote an essay um in part about farah abraham um like i think like last year as quarantine was about like about to start and one of the things that I wrote about it is um, that there's a process through which, like, grief and and pain and these, like, extremely personal emotions must be first kind of, like, run through a process of um, validation and, and uh, the gaining of, like, kind of signifiers of credibility before they're, like, taken seriously. And so there's a way in which something like, you know, if we're talking about like albums that people like compare to this one, there's like the famous poll quote from, I think, a Pitchfork review of Charlie XCX's Pop 2, which is a good record. I really like that record. But the poll quote is that like, you know, I was listening to Farrah Abraham before this and I finally like it finally clicked. This is like Farrah if it was good. And it's like, no, fuck you. You're a coward for saying that. Like, yep. what this is, is that when you talk about it, like, fucking up all these moments in the the album where, like, there are attempts at something and those attempts fall flat and they don't fit and there's a clash and there's a a jolt and, and it's, it's this uncomfortable, like, uh, feeling of being got. Yes, absolutely. 
that's what this that's what this emotional situation is and i take that a hundred times out of a hundred over an attempt to express some of these same emotions that has been so processed that has been so aestheticized that has been so run through filters of respectability and prestige that it is fundamentally detached from the initial like deeply personal emotion that it was trying to convey so you're saying Farah Abraham is making socialist realism? Yeah, sure. I don't know what that means, but like <laughs> I agree with everything I hear right now. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Um, the prolet- proletarian art-, art hero Farah Abraham. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, the, the, the actual serious point to make there is like the literal first sung line on this album is I can only put so much in a song. Yes. Like, this album is dealing with the fact that the emotions are so inchoate and incomprehensible and okay. like beyond language and beyond representation that like whatever it turns into is going to be scrappy, messy, beyond coherence Yep. by their very yep. nature. Like it is struggling against all the bounds that it's like trying to establish for itself I'm... to actually communicate anything meaningful at all. But like that's the process of what it's trying to do is like work its way through that. Yes. Very quickly, I want to read to you some lyrics that are a very powerful companion, I think, in a similar way to the, the that opening line of the album. Death is real, someone's there and, they're, and then they're not. And it's not for singing about, it's not for making into art. When real death enters the house, all poetry is dumb. When I walk into the room where you were and I look into the emptiness instead, all fails. Good Lord. It's the same fucking line. <laughs> it's literally the same fucking line. Death is real Someone's there and then they're not And it's not for singing about It's not for making into art When real death enters the house All poetry is dumb When I walk in To the room Anyone who doesn't know, that's the first track on the album A Crow Looks at Me by uh... Mount Erie. Uh, Mount Erie, yeah. yeah. An album that I literally cannot listen to because it is way too emotionally intense. It's um, so... Yeah. On a short, a short list of things that are just like, I know they're good and I cannot go near them because like, why would I do that to myself? Yeah. I, I keep thinking every time I like listen to that album that like, okay, this is going to be a time that I don't cry like one track in. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, fuck. <laughs> this album's really good. This album's so good. Um, it's a. Uh, uh, I I myself specifically don't have anything to say that wasn't already covered. Um, <laughs> it's I multiple times during again like during the I I feel like I took um, it's with the uh it's I I I feel like I took the like the electronic stuff. I was like, yep, it's this is a uh, this is crushing, and I get it. But I, I was I was really blown away again by like the slower piano pieces and stuff. Mm. Um, it's, Searching for and closure it's, is such a good fucking track. 
Yes, it's and I, I didn't want to go full tiny mixtapes, but uh, like it's oh, like some of the full <laughs> tiny mixtapes. I was just gonna say like some of these just legit sound like like loops. Dean Blunt would be like, "Yo, yo," <laughs> for close. like Fucking and close. I I don't mean that in like it's it's I I, I hope my intentions are uh, like scan is sincere and true when I say yeah. that. Like it's I was I was blown away on a on like on an emotional and also a contemporary level and i i hate that pop to review so much i i hate it mm -hmm. um because that like that that's like that's just not what you say about this record at all like that's 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 not something that you get to say yeah i also um, think it's just misunderstanding what charlie's up to as well like also it's yes most, also it's yes pitchfork continuing for the last decade to misunderstand charlie xcx in every possible way yeah um <sighs> but uh no, it's that's that's all I wanted to say. I would love uh I would love to see uh like an AMV of like a team Ico game oh. set to searching for closure or something. <laughs> yeah. Um it's just like those those beautiful sweeping environments with like the pianos and like the heartbeat percussive pattern. It was beautiful, so beautiful. Yeah. Love it. Th that one also has an amazing first line. Yes. This is new to me. Um, oh man. And like, you know, she's, she's like, it's, it's, there's a lot in the way that she writes lyrics. That's very kind of like, there are parts where like the, just the, the, the grammatical structure of a sentence will like not make sense at all. Um, and it, it, it reminds me in a way of, um, listening to Coheed and Cambria, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's, I get that. I do get We're that. We're like, gonna need to explain that one for me. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So the, the way that like Claudio Sanchez used to write lyrics, um, he stopped doing this for like his last few, where it's just like now his choruses will be things like you know, "Oh mama, please, I'm on my knees, I'm begging you, please," um, and you know, it's just dog shit. But <laughs> there was a way in which, um, you know, uh. uh he would say in his like earlier albums, he would never say like, you know, like I want closure. He would say something like I'm found be found in the wanting of finding closure. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. Like I, it, it's why would anyone talk like that? But at the same time, like the way that like it, it, it hits you and the, the, the individual words kind of just like flow into each other it feels much more powerful than if he had just like said the simple thing. And that's yeah. the experience mm -hmm. that I get with a lot of these is that like, it feels very stream of consciousness. And and that is like, you know, how she wrote a lot of these like poems that the songs were adapted from of just like having this notebook and writing down her thoughts and, and her like attempts to articulate the, the grief that she was going through. Uh, I, I just wanted to speak on that. Like it's uh, like it's we we launched off that off the first line of searching for closure, but the second one is death is in your place. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Again, again. Okay, combine. I can only put like, so much into a song, and death is in your place, and you literally just have a two-line version of the first song off of Crow looked at me. It's it's insane. It's it's so goddamn insane. Yeah. It's. Oh man, oh man. Uh, can I tell you the the last Ooh. lyric that I really really adore from this album that just hits me so fucking hard? Absolutely. Um it's in the song um 
liar liar uh which is like she's she's obviously like very much like grieving for her boyfriend um who she lost so young and she she clearly like has so much love for him but like they had a very like troubled relationship it was like an off and again off again thing you know there's a sense that like they really both hurt each other that she's like still dealing with a lot of the ways in which he hurt her and she reckons with that in these like really honest and messy ways all throughout the album of like i love you but like i'm really pissed off at you in so many ways um and there's a lyric here that says i knew every side of you the games you played the never true words that you would say you never won and that last line you never won about your dead boyfriend talking about like the, the emotional battles Good that you had with him God. like holy shit that's sometimes people just say the thing <laughs> that's yeah that's like i that's so fucking powerful like i can watch a a a, a something like uh the latest uh, Risuke Hamaguchi film drive my car which is also about like you know mourning the death of like a, a loved one that you had this very complicated relationship with and that movie is fucking gorgeous but nothing in it hits with the same like precise punch as saying you never won about the the one that you're mourning um mm -hmm. it's so fucking cool that this album exists god <sighs> I, I don't know there's something about the reaction to it that tells me that like people were upset that no one told her it was inappropriate to say you never won about your dead uh, boyfriend like yeah. there's something about it is like because it's so it's not like it's gleeful in the process it's so honest and sincere about like no her breaking her, her delivery yeah. when she says that is so heartbroken yeah genuinely believes it um yeah it, it was interesting like i i came into this wanted to make sure we didn't turn it into like well here is how this um prefigures everything that comes after it and like we absolutely yeah. have it. We've been, like <laughs> adamantly talking like very textually about the album yeah but like yeah like <laughs> there is there, there are a couple to, elements to, to give maybe... a bit of context very quickly that is how a lot of people who when we've been talking about like the the insufficient reclamation that's kind of how they talk about it as like oh this prefigured hyper pop you know it's like if this album was released in 2019 then it would have like you know been recognized as a banger etc but like i think that like really lets contemporaneous critics off the hook and the point yeah. of reference that yep. i always go to is that like I'm sorry, like, the first Crystal Castles album came out four years ago. You have no excuse to not understand that After Prom is a fucking banger. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Um, and in the same sense, I also think it, like, the, the, the ways in which it turns into, like, oh, good, women can sing honestly about their feelings over dance music is, like, the most trite version of this. Um, yeah. Like, what the actual, like, uh, prefiguration is there are a couple things that i have in mind one is like making the like transparency of the production process part of the like emotional like uh, infrastructure of the the music infra emotional infrastructure what, what, what <laughs> strange way i know uh, i think i think i do mean it though that like the part of the register of communicating is the the like referential nature or indeed just like the transparent like process of exposing production as a as an element and i think that like because hyperpop is a scene where like the cult of personality is built around the producer then that's like a, a thing that very readily happens that like producers have their ticks they have their ways of showing out and communicating 
and that like there's a I, I feel like a very straight continuity between the like you're hearing a sound in a way that you have never expected it to be heard before in a way that is quite like unreal and unexpected in a way that feels scary or surprising or all that um in the way that things get used now and like obviously this is also a post like uh you know skrillex tarot dubstep era mm -hmm. making like producer as virtuoso is a thing that has existed in many different ways but the uh, but the the like playfulness and the the ability to have it do things other than just make you think ah oh, what a good cool producer is something that i think is pretty important yeah but the other part is like the emotional sincerity angle um and i don't know i feel, i feel like there's a there's a there's a generational gap happening between the kinds of like emotional sincerity that people are talking about between i don't know uh talk <laughs> i just remember the skit at the start of is it most Thosses? which one is the second track of the the, the food house record the the second os osa track of the food house record which has the like starts off with a clip of um someone telling is it one of the security guards at berkeley saying that is it fraxium isn't is now banned from the campus for doing something like heinous who knows and this is meant to be this like great confessional inside story moment that like brings you into the world of some like oh we're just goofy teenagers doing some bullshit i expect this lieutenant the berkeley college police uh yeah i need to speak with you either on the phone or in person um the school monitored a disturbing uh, tweet between you and Frack. And that, like, none of the confessional modes hyperpop has, for me, ever really hit the depth or the, like, the complexity. Oh, we, we're going to talk about underscores. It's got, it's got some shit going on. But um, <laughs> very little, I'll say. I'll put it that way has hit the kind of emotional depth and complexity or just straight up like visceral horror and pain of this record. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, I, it, it's dealing with stuff on a, on a such more significant and, and like scary level. Yeah. Yeah. You, you talking about like the, the kind of reactions to emotional sincerity and like a, a generational disconnect and all of that. It really reminded me of um, that, uh, pitchfork uh like patch notes uh th that dropped like last week yeah yeah and how they were like oh man i think it was vroom vroom was the charlie uh project yeah. that they like adjusted up by like a little more than three uh points and it was all just based around like yeah when this came out like we weren't sure if hyperpop was trying to prank us and so we didn't want to like commit to it in in case like we weren't in on the joke. Uh, but now we recognize that it's good. And it's just like, damn, uh, it didn't take me five years to figure that out. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Where the uh... fuck is my byline? <laughs> yeah. Like. Uh, it just, the, the fact that though, that the, I, the, I get furious about this. Hey. Little dunk on pitchfork corner. We can do this every little every. I every... I I'm I'm. For I was it. about I'm to say it. every once in a while. I was about to say every once in a while. No, it's pretty much every episode at this yeah, point. We literally do did this with the Seagull Rosper review last time. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just gonna read the tiny little blurb because I I retweeted it to dunk on it. So Hit yeah. Me. 
To a certain very melodramatic, very online type of Twitter user, there was nothing more homophobic than our humble publication giving a 4.5 to Charlie XCX's Vroom Vroom EP. At the time, many critics seemed to be paranoid about PC Music's motives. Nervous that they'd be bamboozled, they obsessed about over whether a pop experiment was either satire or sincere. Quote, is Charlie XCX sending up pop's shallow triumphalism or reinforcing it? Question mark. The Vroom Vroom EP doesn't offer a clear answer, pairing frivolous lyrics that sounded more or less like Lamborghini, Bikini, Eeny Meeny, Zucchini, with squelching production, courtesy of Sophie, more jarring than previously shown on Charlie's work. Nowadays, it doesn't seem that extreme. And when you don't think too hard about it, it's pretty fun. Uh, uh. Eat my fucking ass. And this is upgrading it from a 4.5 to a 7.8, which is like that classic, that classic like mid-high tier, we're not committing to it being important, but we're going to say we like it. Importantly, it's like a few hundredths short of best new music threshold. Of course, of course. Yep, I I wanted to say um it's when they say like it's articles were talking about like the like uh like is this set like sincere or is it satire? It's I know they're fucking talking about that Fader Sophie yeah, article. It's God the most fucking damn it! Really I know that's bullshit. where that 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 fucking article is gonna live forever. And I yeah, yeah they it. took it down Fuck. only uh, t- yeah to be clear this was a Fader article that was like uh. Um, female appearing in electronic it's producers. Male, male DJs with female names was what they called it. Yep. By the way, shout out to my friend Ava who wrote the unbelievably good just, essay, I was just about Male to plug DJs this. with Female Names, yep. on which my own essay about Farah is based. So uh, read yep. that shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fucking yes. grotesque because like uh, we're going to talk more about PC music later, but like quite clearly there's a kind of both clear-eyed knowledge about what they're doing and also like a necessary conflict with a like a pop industry structure that just like doesn't really care or want this kind of experimentation to happen whatsoever yeah. or indeed visible transness <laughs> like both of those things yep, are just yep. anathema to it <laughs> yeah. um but yeah like i also think it's just like utterly blinkered to talk about this in the context of like firstly nowadays it doesn't seem that extreme no, it does actually seem that extreme. Like, if you heard how this sounds relative to the rest of pop music. And then secondly, when you don't think about it too hard, it's pretty fun. Yeah. I I struggle to grasp the person who's, like, not taking seriously the ways in which Charlie XCX, like, is entirely rewritten. Not only, like, a landscape, an entire lane within pop music, but also, like, literally just, like, female and queer expression within that lane like mm-hmm. it's entirely serious it's entirely sincere like if you i whatever i i am just gonna scream at it um yeah if i let I, last note on this I'd, I'd like to mention um it's i know like obviously like pitchfork is not just a a single like hive mind publication but it's 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 full of many uh disparate voices. But imagine somebody at Pitchfork telling you not to think too hard about something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like shut up, dude. Come on. Yeah. Ugh. All right. And, and I mean that this uh, <laughs> this goes immediately in contrast to uh 8.9 um <laughs> uh, our, our conception of uh spaces and bodies are reconfigured on something or other's <laughs> Grinch, whatever that tweet is. Goop on your Grinch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like pitchfork is so like desperately like searching for a way to combine pop cultural credibility with taking everything seriously because that's the thing you need to do to be a proper critic 
and like it's so conspicuous when they just can't be asked yeah um but yeah uh pitchfork sucks this um this whole project sucked um i i hate that i now have to tacitly agree with pitchfork when they've chased trends in the public opinion that predate the reviews by like six years or these like reviews (laughs) by like six to ten years yeah very upsetting um (sighs) last thing that i want to mention before we get off the topic of the pharaoh record is um there is also very obliquely a trans angle here in that um, since this record, Frederick Cuevas has gotten a little bit of work here and there. Uh, he certainly never blew up. Um, he has like 200 followers on Instagram, which is really fucking funny <laughs> to me. That's awesome. That fucking That's so rules. Sick. He's so cool. Real G's move in silence. Yes. Um, but like he has gotten like occasional work um, as, as, you know, like a producer since then. And the the place that I most recently heard his work was in the film We're All Going to the World's Fair, directed by Jane Schoenburn, um, from yep. earlier this year, actually. And this is a found footage coming-of-age horror movie about a girl who is, um, like, trying... Is, is like... She's she's exploring this kind of like online creepypasta RP where it, there's this like thing within a movie called the the World's Fair Challenge. Um, it's like inspired by shit like the Blue Whale game um, and a lot of these like, you know, teen creepypasta challenges and basically just like, you know, trying to to express herself and also come into contact with situations that are maybe like a little fucked up and dangerous and um there's a frederick cuevas track that plays over two very important scenes um that like i didn't know it was him at the time that i was watching it but like it's a really fucking banger track and it scores (laughs) both of those moments really really well and i like found out later that that was him and i was just like oh fuck yeah um and the you know leave it of course to this trans director to be the one that like finds frederick again and is like hey i need your help to to write this song for the, for these scenes um Hell yeah so yeah shout out to jane schoenberg shout out to that whole movie it's really fucking good watch it when you can uh could we uh it's i'd like to introduce a uh a a new segment to hot singles during my tenure if that's okay <laughs> by all means um it's uh i'd like to do cover art watch yeah yes um, yeah and I wanted to talk about how um, the the cover art to my teenage dream ended is the most insane um, <laughs> and sick ass shit that I've ever seen. It's I I don't so I good. and again it's like like all of our coverage. I mean this on a on a deeply sincere and emotional level. It's there's no irony when I say this. It is a it's a beautiful beautiful piece of art. Um, it's I I think there's there's something like. There's there's something like half clever you could say about it being in like the wrong aspect yes. ratio as well. <laughs> it is uh, absolutely like for a one to one thing. I, I swear this it's, is uh, the this is the book cover squished is how they ended up at this aspect ratio. I'm... But it's there's there's a jillion like book covers for it too, and they are and 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 I it's again it's all apologies to Farah if she does read the like hear this and she's like well okay like whatever. But it's also all of these also seem to be in the wrong aspect ratio as well. <laughs> yeah. Um. Like it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna post, uh, I'm gonna post the audible uh, yeah. one in, uh, in the chat here. Let's see um, what we have. It's, I, and 
Uh, but like it's I I genuinely do think it it adds to the work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where it's it's oh man, it's I don't know. It's I'm trying to th think of like actual stuff to say about it. Um, it's like it's it's obviously like a book draft cover that was stretched out to a one by one, uh, like a crop ratio. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful picture of Farah and her daughter. Um, and then just like right above it is like a like the Damascus sword like <laughs> my teenage dream ended wait oh my god I, that's, I, I, that's I, the I, correct I, aspect ratio that's the book that's the book cover that's so fucking cool yeah, like it's so good it's so awesome like it's I, I think there's something like uh, I, again like you can you can like uh, you can you can like tiny mixtapes this um it's like you know it being in like the wrong ratio is like it's like it's she's stretched she's compressed <laughs> like the electronics are abrasive yeah. um and i i think there's 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 some ground there that that i think this this record could only exist digitally um and this is uh this is a uh this is a mechanical mishap um uh, that could only happen in the world of like like people that are not uh accustomed to like the the traditional rules of either medium um like coming in and making something like very beautifully profound with um with their with their experience and that's that's what i have to say about the cover to my teenage dream ended. yeah it's got it's the 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 big you, you said the big sword hanging over her it's got the like pulp novel you'd find in an airport bookstore or sorry pop uh pulp um like reality TV spin-off novel that yeah. you find in an airport book school feel to it. And firstly, like as you squish it, it somehow ends up with a kind of like weight or like heaviness to it that just is entirely inappropriate to the book cover, but makes so much more sense for the album. Um I I love this so much. Yep. <sighs> awesome. I feel I feel content with that discussion. Love you, Farrah. Very much so. Me too. I can't believe we did like the single best discussion on my teenage dream ended ever. And it's not even like a really high bar. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. In that case, it is time to move on to, to another door, to another door, <laughs> to another door. You fucking nailed that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Caroline Polachek's pang. Go into 
So, Caroline Polachek is a uh, musician, songwriter, producer. Um, she is formerly a member of the band Chairlift and has struck out on a solo career with um, two side projects under pseudonyms and this, her first album under her own name. It was released in 2019. Yeah, 2019. Yeah, 2019. Um, produced, co-produced at least, entirely with Danielle Hull, one of the members of PC Music, London originating pop music collective. It's it's an album. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I picked this one because like I knew what the other two things we were going to pick were, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to do something that would just like wrote like pull from the Faro playbook of like or again we talked very explicitly about Charlie XCX I didn't want to pick Charlie XCX because it would play so handily into this is what is being prefigured in Faro Abraham and this is what's being drawn on in this music in terms of this like confessional um like DIY versions of a pop star and this is not that Caroline Polachek has never been <laughs> she's self-made certainly but diy is not her aesthetic um no yeah the the first place just for like all the aesthetic reference the first place that chairlift blew up was when their single um uh, bruises got picked up for an ipod ad so like they have always been in this space of like slightly slicker slightly more radio ready than expected indie stuff Mm -hmm. and she's slowly Um, rotated and like pushed her sound direction through chairlift and in her solo projects into a, a bunch of different directions but it's always existed on this like far more refined and far more like exacting level it's i just wanted to say speaking to that like she's always like had like a a more like slicker like bent to it um that this was on a that this was released on pc music and not entirely or at least like uh more than 50 percent produced by uh ag and mm. instead like uh the reins were handed to danny yeah mainly for it i think that 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 100 speaks to that yeah like daniel hall is many things in fact he's two very important things he's to me one of the best straight up like pop producers that pc music have um i will yeah. forever shout out the collab single with carly ray jepsen which is incredible supernatural to one of my favorite ever pop tracks um but he's also got a background in classical composition and that i think is really important for this record um mm. yep he, I think, trained at Goldsmith for a long time um, before, like, canning that and rolling it up and turning that into just a, a, a backline thing. However, his, his um, I will drop it in the chat, his SoundCloud profile does still have a playlist full of classical music stuff, which has been getting occasionally updated and includes reworks of a, a Carolyn Polachek track, coincidentally. Um, mm-hmm. it's, oh, my God. It's not directly... Uh, oh, go for it. Uh, sorry, it's. I just wanted to say, can we start cover art watch early? It's. I'm just looking at the harpsichord sessions yep, art here, yep. and I'm just. Oh my god, uh, it's. Uh, uh, most of PC Music's uh, art, um, actually, like right up until this release, was mainly worked on with as a hybrid between like AG and one Timothy Luke, who's done all of Charlie's branding, uh, who did the F Formula One rebrand, and Caroline Polachek, um, and Carolyn Polachek's Pang. And the 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 visual work on this this record is, oh my fucking god, oh my god! Like I I want to run to you, like <laughs> uh, I it's 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 there's this 
ah, it's there's this there's this beautiful, it's it's not it's not fantasy, but it's 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 not Celtic. It's not. It's it's like it's not Kate Bush. It's not like it's 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 pulling from all these like hard line like disparate sources to create really like this this very like baroque and uh like this is this is adobe illustrator baroque yeah is how i feel about the the visual direction like um it's it's fantastic Uh, i'm going to post the artwork for the standing at the gate uh remix ep in particular um because this is this is like one of the most insane like things of art that a that like a you know not not a a quote quote unquote unquote pop star um uh could have like this this feels so beautiful and contemporary yeah um it's a gate like it's the song's called the gate and it's a it's a gate it's perfect it's literally perfect yeah so so i listened to this um through like the official youtube uploads which have um Mm. like uh, she calls them lyric booklets and it basically <laughs> yep. like it's a yep. lyric video but instead of like you know oh we're gonna have like the words appear below her feet as she's dancing it's like um a a kind of like storybook narration quality to it it's very lush it's very fairy tale it's very like the word that like uh because i was like watching it on youtube right um there were youtube comments and uh i could be a millionaire right now if i had a dollar for every time someone said ethereal in the comments yes. um that's <laughs> that's very much like the register that she's she's working in mhm mhm yeah it's it's strange because so i'm guessing have you also seen the music video for soho you're hurting my feelings um is yeah. that the one yeah. where she's doing dancing in a little cowboy type outfit? Uh, is it a cowboy type outfit? She's definitely dancing. It's, it's, she's she's got like a she's got like a Celtic skirt yeah. on. Yeah, uh, like a corset. Oh, ca- and oh, I'm sorry. Cowboy she's boots, she definitely. I. It's yeah. yes. She's got the cowboy boots. I just uh, she's so hot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I can't I can't not talk about yeah how beautiful this woman is. It's I'm so gay. Oh Let's, my fucking okay, god. Okay, okay, cover cover watch. The actual Caroline Palachek pan cover image. Uh Caroline, I want to give you my heartfelt sincerest thanks. You are Yeah. <laughs> you are pulling off the like breathy, sleepy-eyed like um like Instagram babe in like a white bodysuit and like black vinyl pants look at age 36 in a way that like makes me a trans woman who transitioned pretty late be like oh shit I'm not out of chances to do that I can continue doing this I can I can be I can I can have like the I can have the sexy Jules Verne thing going. yeah we did it no, like she's she's like really fucking attractive and also like like there is an a kind of like unified aesthetic a unified visual aesthetic to like everything that happens in this vi- in this album that like yes I, I i would feel really weird just listening to these as like tracks they feel like they are part of a larger project that also involves the 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 visual component yeah that, like, <laughs> like you're entirely right to the point where I just listening through some of my favorite like live versions and she's talked in interviews about very explicitly it's much harder to communicate this album through like how would you heighten it as a live show and the answer was absolutely not live instrumentation the answer was commissioning a Hollywood um, set designer studio 
to create a full painted backdrop in the same way that they would have in the 20s or 30s mm -hmm. and then projection map it um so that she can literally like create like virtual spaces for her live show and dance and perform in them and like on the specific idea that like the thing that was getting people accessible well the thing that was making the emotional like space of the album accessible was like visual stuff and absolutely not like more or more dense or more complex uh, arrangement of anything like this album is necessarily one that is like a, a thoroughly visual experience um <sighs> just, take, just take a moment to like finish watching those videos just like sew that all in compose ourselves boo that's oh, that's my favorite God. lyric too on the the album when you just said uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> there are a uh. lot of vocalizations on this record it's she she's doing a really good uh buchanan looking at carolyn polachek impression <laughs> on that song So, um, so yeah, uh, yeah, you go, yeah. you go, you go. <laughs> so this is the sort of the thing where like art pop in big, big inverted, inverted commas, um, is a, is a, like a strange thing to try and like nail down by, by definition, that's a sort of combination of words that is like somewhat contentless. Mm -hmm. Um, the specific things that are happening on this record are like genuinely fascinating to me. And I think, I think the right place to start is the vocal production. Yeah. Um, yep. Let's talk about it. Caroline Polachek's own singing voice is one of the like strangest and most unique and most extraordinary that I've heard in pop music like ever. Um, yes. She has a habit of note onsets that I don't know if they might. Have, I don't know about early, but she has a way of hitting notes without glissando that is reminiscent of autotune, but is like quite audibly her natural like uh like sing technique um if you listen to her perform live she like does the like the kinds of performances that you hear on the album and think oh my god that's so strange as a natural part of her singing voice i i just wanted to mention uh it's i for some reason this this video has been scrubbed from the internet uh everywhere but like gay people's twitter accounts <laughs> but uh carolyn has a has a, a genius verified uh like video interview uh, for like you know just just explaining the lyrics to so high you're hurting my feelings and she does the da 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 but it 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 literally literally sounds like auto tune and she's just like sitting in a chair yeah, being filmed exactly like it's it's oh my oh my god oh my god um and so that all sorts of top lines are built around her ability to do that with her voice like it's a central feature of the album that like yes every single top line is trying to find ways to either lull you into the sort of naturalistic space of the well we've already talked to this like uh illustrated baroque is the like initial space that it's building and sometimes it's trying to paint that quite naturalistically mm -hmm. but like it has two modes it's like painting naturalistically this quite weird baroque electronic looking uh, soundscape and then like finding ways to fucking rip you out of it with the most strange and like bizarre vocal performance that i've heard ever i, I say strange and bizarre like uh, trying to convey the surprise it's not strange it's genuinely fucking impressive and also just straight up very good pop top lines but like it's trying to make use of those um vocal habits every single opportunity it can 
um, Ocean of Tears is like um, just um, oud top lines. wanders around trying to do this all the time and then hits the at the end of the end of the line i can't do the thing that she's doing because it yeah. has all those like pops and clicks um it's extraordinary uh trying to remember yeah go as a dream um has the like uh the the like minor seventh that it climbs in the in the chorus top line um which also has the, like a different kind of bizarre onset and then her voice just literally like the breath turns off. Like she goes from not belt, but like fortissimo all the way to like the thinnest and most careful, like sustained voice on As A Dream. Um, sorry, on dream in the phrase. Every single moment where she does this just makes me think she's doing something unique and special in a way that I like, I can't get anywhere else. And I think that's the thing that keeps me coming back to this record is that like, I find her voice so compelling to listen to. Mm. Yep. 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 All um, right. <sighs> the, the like jumping off point from that is like, what does the production do to like make that happen? And like, again, it's got its aesthetic like target. Um, Can I jump in here? Yeah, by all means. Yeah, oh my god. All right, awesome. It's time to drop the uh, elephant in the room here. Uh, I think this is a bad album. (laughs) What? (laughs) Gotcha. Hey. Oh no. All right. Let me pre. Let me let me preface it with a few things. Number one, everything I said up until now, I'm completely honest about. I think that as a kind of like as a as a kind of hybrid medium project i think it's much more interesting than it is as an album and i would also agree that like her voice is incredibly remarkable i think that there is a level of skill and a level of inventiveness there that i'm really in awe of i think there's a couple of tracks where i it doesn't work for me what she's doing with her voice um where it, it it just feels a little overdone it feels a little like kind of belabored um the two that i really don't like are insomnia and hey big eyes um and i i think that 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 kind of like very it's not vibrato but like you've been talking about like trying to get that auto-tune quality where it's like 
you know, the way that like auto, when somebody's using autotune as like a deliberate instrument, you'll have these like very sort of jarring um, shifts from one note to another as it's been corrected over like the middle space between them. The way that she does that, I think in a lot of these tracks is very interesting. I think on those two especially, it feels really kind of like, uh, I guess just like belabored to me in a way that that doesn't do anything for me. Also, I think that because you are starting to talk about the production, I think the production is like my biggest gripe with this album. Mm, I think that okay. there's, there's a few tracks. I, I think Peng, the title track, is really fucking good. I think that So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings is just like a really, really fun, just like, not even art pop. That is just a pop track. Yeah, That, that is just yep. a very yep. fun pop track. And Door feels like it is the kind of um it is a a an expression of a lot of the things that the rest of the album feels like it's trying to 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 go through as far as like the the etherealness the kind of like complicated vocal delivery the um there's something that happens in like the hooks of both pang and this one and a few other tracks as well where it's like very deliberate repetition like Buchanan said at the start of this yeah. the the hook there is um it's what is this like you open a door into another door into another door into another door and I'm walking through, through to, you, to you running through to yeah. you yeah um that hook is really fucking good um that song is like it 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 feels like I see what she's going for on the record through the lens of that song and I feel like okay this is where it is really clicking with me. This is where it is really like hitting me hard. My issue with a, the production on a lot of the rest of it is that it feels like, so th this is like, you know, it, it's produced by, like we said, some people involved in PC music. Um, you know, both Danny and AG are credited as producers on this. And a lot of like the work of PC music and like the broader, like, hyper pop scene has has been about in 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 some ways like kind of the the interpretation and um combination of like a lot of earlier musical genres that weren't necessarily given a fair shake that weren't necessarily given like some serious analysis and you know you see that a lot with things like happy hardcore or like you know mid-2000s mall emo being like interpreted <laughs> as part of like a lot of these these like, you know, acclaimed hyperpop bands of today. A, it felt to me like a lot of what the project of this is, is applying that same type of sheen of incredible composition, uh, like compositional talent and like vocal talent to mid 90s adult contemporary, which is a fucking uh, awful genre. So this is, this is the point <laughs> I need to link a video. Can okay. I just interrupt your flow slightly to do this? Yeah, absolutely. And as you're doing so, that... Oh, sorry, what is this? Ooh. So, this is a track called Some Small Hope, which is a collaboration between Virginia Astley and David Sylvian. It is produced by Ryuichi Sakamoto. Uh-huh. I can't listen to this video. It's not available in my country. Uh, let me find another version then. Wait, Small oh hope. shit. We have three people in three different countries on this recording. They're really fucking nice. Um, the brand is global. <laughs> global takeover. 
Okay, listening to it now. So yeah, this is um, Virginia Astley um, in 1986. Um, another person Carolyn Polachek has referenced is like a big inspiration. <laughs> With what I would describe as like, again, like pre-Enya, slightly new agey, midi adult pop or midi like baroque pop. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> it, it feels so weird to bring this and be like trying not to make direct straight line comparisons, but the <laughs> I I have such an affection like, for the vulgarity of the, these sounds, um, just how fucking shiny and cheesy they are, um, and that might be that might maybe slightly misplaced, or at least it might be a, a very cyclical thing that like not makes sense to some people who have grown up with it in its right context. But I also think that it, uh, something about it in this sort of context where it's not the backing track for, you know, like the, the bullshit that goes on adult contemporary radio, but rather for like a slightly earlier, slightly stranger, slightly more arch. Um, arch, I think, is going to be an adjective that like, if you, if you can tolerate archness, then maybe this record's got something for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 I want to be 100% clear here that, like, I'm 100% aware that with every criticism I have of this album, pretty much, the honest and understandable and, like, very fair retort is yes, and that's why it's good. Yes, Which, like, pretty much. you know, yep. that's, that's, yep. that's exactly, like, my feeling about, like, the, the Pharaoh record, right? Where it's yeah. like, first off, thank you guys so much for like bearing with me as I bring uh, a record that was considered by many contemporary critics as <laughs> the worst of all time. And then like literally the next one, I get on my high horse and say like, no, this one sucks. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think you, you could pick out who we are and how how, how we're going to respond to that Pharaoh record pretty reasonably, you know? Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, the whole thing here being that like, I have actively gone back to this era of pop music as there's something about its constructedness, its confectedness that is really appealing to me. Um, and that being a vehicle for either desperate sincerity in a way that is like slightly jarring but interesting or for like really indulgent, really like in some cases either operatic or maybe melodramatic is the most like... Uh, I they, they almost feel like bad things to say about particularly a female songwriter that like calling a female songwriter melodramatic could be the worst fucking put down in the world. But no, I feel like it's mm -hmm. actively leaning into that. It's actively leaning into yeah. the, like the, the, yeah, both the visual like extravagance of it and then also the archness. Those are like crucial elements that like build its, build its aesthetic framework. Um, and I feel like they come very strongly out of this era of like, yeah, um, like post new wave stuff and uh mm -hmm. post kate bush era like uh like early electronic experimental pop music yeah david yeah. sylvian for me is a big touchstone personally um helps make this make a lot of sense yeah this this i i, I did read on uh caroline's wikipedia page that um she had the experience of being like a, a i think in her own words a very hyperactive child who um, like both her parents would play her Enya songs to calm her down, and 
that, yeah, that did feel that. kind of like a key to unlocking some of the album yeah absolutely oh my god that's um, perfect that's literally perfect yeah like i so so here, here's what i can say about like the the production on the the songs that i do like i think that the the production especially on the title track is unbelievably good in a way that like really gave me a lot of hope that i would vibe with the rest of the album um in a way that i just didn't um and i think that like it is just it, it's not just boilable down to this but in large part is the fact that the bass on pang the song is really fucking good and it really gives you like a great rhythm to to ground the song in and i feel like the especially like the lower registers in a lot of the rest of the album um they're they're kind of like obsessed with being lush in a way that i don't think is is necessarily like to the strength of the record yeah um, i was you said insomnia was one of the tracks that you were struggling with and insomnia to me is a track that has that like big super soy reese bass like that like fat mm-hmm, wobbly yeah. thing i listen to it now and i'm like i can turn it up in the headphones slightly has that kind of um that like quite reserved quite like flat appearance whereas there are versions of this baseline and they appear all, all over music and quite often in modern stuff i think uh, it's they, they become more and more prominent a feature they're like growling they have this like menace and heft to them like a muscularity to them and that's mm-hmm. absolutely not what's going on here it's it, i agree this has got like quite a flat quite reserved presentation um yeah. I want to just compare to Parachute because that's the other like abstract vocal centerpiece track. And this approaches it slightly more. It's got a slightly more gripping, slightly more like dense, like rippling bass. So mm-hmm. I, I, I see what you mean. The, the, honestly, the tracks for me, like you said, Hey Big Eyes, like Hey Big Eyes and Caroline Shut Up. Those are the ones for me where like, I feel like it's dipping into like narrative self-indulgence. Yeah. I So, so I've, I've been more reserved in like kind of criticizing the the lyrics of it because like that's also a place where i think that like i i i I kind of bounced off the album in an important way but like it feels like a very personal album and it feels like if you connect with the lyrics that it's very much on a personal level so i have a list of very vicious put downs of the lyrics that (laughs) i'm not sure i want to bring here can you how many are how many are on this list because can we get like a a little taster a little sample uh okay yeah this uh don't say i didn't warn you but um pang is a record for women who every six months post mental health i'm done with it i am capital b brave now in between (laughs) like just endless rolling breakdowns about the most minor shit in their lives. Yeah. This, um, <laughs> this, this uh, like, this is a large category of human, but like white middle class 30 something year old woman in Brooklyn is like a targeted demographic that she seems to like quite effortlessly embody in yeah. a way that like, 
I, I find almost scary. <laughs> like, <laughs> back in the city, I'm just another girl in a sweater. It's like, that's the greatest yeah. anxiety in your life. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that, that is one of the lines on the album that I really like. Um, it's the best. But again, it's the best because it's like so, for me, because it acknowledges so forthrightly, like this is the emotional level it's dealing on. It's I, dealing on like the... So I, I, I think what's interesting is that like this yeah. album, as far as the lyrics, it has the same structure as the Farrah album. Mm. In that um, I, I, I was reading up like some just, you know, basic genius uh like interview uh collection and uh she's talked about how like the album is 14 tracks uh by the way quick aside too long um i i i know that this is just a me thing but like man if something is 45 minutes long then it better be a like a a a prog metal opera about a space (laughs) wizard who is trying to ban prog metal so um, to me, again, this is the sort of thing where like, yes, it's pop music, but it's also pop music with, as we've established, il- sorry, hang on. Was it Photoshop or Illustrator? Uh, I said Adobe Illustrator specifically. Illustrator Baroque. Yeah. It, Illustrator Baroque is, I think, sufficiently like proggy in terms of the mm-hmm. end of pop music we're dealing with that I can tolerate. Yeah. Yeah. I buy that. A uh, qu- quick uh, disclaimer again here. I got burned by a lot of shitty Baroque pop in like 2007. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, oh, we, we've all been. <laughs> I, I'm the sort who like, it's like, oh, you know, what was I listening to at age 11? Like Linkin Park? No, I'll defend that to the day I die. I love Linkin Park. What was I listening to yeah. at age 17? Yeah. Stars? Fuck that. <laughs> um, uh, but. Uh, as as like the grizzly bear liker, I have no like to stand on here. <laughs> the structure of this album. She's talked about how it's kind of like a, um, the first half is like a descent. It's, it's kind of like withdrawing further and further into like anxiety and fear and loneliness and, um, like having a difficulty, like finding any kind of peace. The, you know, one of the centerpieces of the album is insomnia, which is literally like about that feeling of like, not just literal insomnia, but also like all the places that your mind goes during it. And then the second half is about kind of like recovering from that and being more self-accepting and like a, a very illustrative track on this is Caroline Shut Up, which is about her kind of like noticing herself second guessing um, like emotions that she has and, and realizing that like, oh, I'm starting to get into this pattern again where I like, you know, intellectualize and second guess and, and ruin everything that's good in my life and and kind of like cutting that off so like the second half is very much about like you know a rejuvenation from that 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 place the Farah album is about like a lot of very um intense processing of grief and then like the last two songs are like i'm in the club now now i'm in the club here i go in the club and it's very clear that like oh her attempt like recover from this has just completely fucking failed like she is, she is like withdrawn to a very obvious coping mechanism, and and like you know she's doing the Lynchian, they're gonna get you in the club type of track, um, and this I think like I again I really see what's being like gone for here, but I think that it's a it's a kind of structure that doesn't work for me that feels a little like um, again I. I don't trust that this album doesn't just loop that that parachute doesn't just lead right back into the gate and that she's not going to be here yeah. in like and and again if your rejoinder to that is yes and that's why it's good 
then I have no choice but to accept that. Because I think that that's a very, like, fair point to say that, like, it is an album that is about kind of, like, this desire to grow from something, but, like, your inability to fully, like, move past from it. And, and like, your, your, your hope regardless. Kind of like the end of Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, perhaps, which I'm going to go ahead and guess that Caroline is a fan of. Um, just knowing things, vague things about her, but like, yeah, it's, it's, as I'm trying to articulate all of this and, and why these are all things I dislike about the album, it's hard because even I'm looking at it and just being like, oh, if I felt like five degrees different, then I would be talking about these exact same things as things that I like about the album. Yeah. So to like give it as someone who really does like the album to like, try and spell out yes you're entirely right and something that i find very appealing is the fact that it has this quite overwrought quite dramatic almost performed emotional arc yeah but that's also got this like degree of weightlessness to it because it never hits in a like an idea that's terrifying or scary like i don't think she ever could or if she ever did that it would be presented in such a beautiful way that you never felt the full impact of it and like, and, and, and i think that's a, that's exactly what i was talking about when like i said during our discussion of the pharaoh album that like there is a type of like expression of like you know pain or grief or difficulty that becomes so like aestheticized and polished that it's like deeply deeply withdrawn from the original inciting emotion i think that this album is 100 percent that and i think yeah. that like there is a way in which that can really strongly appeal like again every criticism that i have of this i'm trying to like empathize with the perspective that like no that's actually a strength yeah, no, I, I mean, but this is the thing. I can perfectly also say that this is, like, again, one of the most, like, incredibly white girl albums that I've ever heard. <laughs> and that's so indulgently nice sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I can feel that. <sighs> oh, my God. Wait, I just realized. Hannah, when you said uh, uh, that uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is probably on Carolyn's, like, probably in her headspace a lot... I just realized that in that genius video, she wears like the same stupid hat that Jim Carrey does. In <gasps> I was right. <laughs> so it's it's like a little it's like a little red beanie, and it's like, why is she wearing that? And then she goes, ha ha ha, and you're like, oh, you can wear whatever you want. That's fine. <laughs> I I do feel like she would be someone who would be like really annoying to hang out with, but that I would really like. I would still keep hanging out with, you know, and, mm -hmm. and like, Hannah, I'm going to, it's, and you can, you can, uh, hang on. It's so for the release of AG Cook's, uh, first debut album, uh, -huh. uh, <laughs> uh, because he, he does have two debut albums Good. as you, as you uh, all want to. I, I'm going to link It's He did a, he did a show entirely within zoom and, uh, and uh, Regs, it's I, I, if you want to, I would like to make a command suggestion that uh, it's uh, you load in any audio from Carolyn Polachek's set. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and just just play it over um, what we are uh, what we're uh, what we're listening to right now. And when you say like Carolyn Polachek is a girl that like would be weird to hang out with, but you would still be hanging out yeah. with her. Uh, yeah. No, I'm seeing what you mean. <laughs> She's got the fucking like pitch onset thing in a hum voice when she's fucking filming herself on her phone. I'm fucking freaking out. Uh, she's dressed like the she's dressed like the hardcover like English JoJo volumes, <gasps> and she's just singing to a goose. 
She's 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 got like the thirst trap Dan Flash's outfit. Yeah. <laughs> this is incredible. I am just gonna put the screaming in now. Like you, this, this is what I have to yep. do. She's now not only what progression singing to the geese to screaming goose-like noises at them. Uh, we are now thirty seconds into the screaming. <laughs> um. God. Uh, oh, okay. All right. All right, Caroline, you're my friend now. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's uh, anything that it's uh, Hannah. It's like we we got you saying like this girl is so hot at the start. That's that's all I need. Yeah, yeah. that's it. You can say anything you want about the music. This is a she's 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 just so cool. She's not cool, but she's you know so who cool. she reminds me of a lot. Um, Do you know the actress who? Rebecca Hall? Ah, uh, hang on. Let me do a let me let me just pop a quick Bing. <laughs> In here, mm -hmm. real quick. Rebecca Hall. Uh, oh my God. Mm. Yeah. 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 Car Caroline Polachek just at all times feels like the white Rebecca Hall. Oh, she was in a. Uh, she was in a Godzilla versus that's Kong. Right. Uh, that's not a. That's not. That's not a good movie to recognize her in. I think <laughs> as I look at her IMDb. No, it, it hundred. Um, that that reflects poorly on um, me. So. Re Rebecca Hall was in a movie uh, this year called The Night House, which is like one of those middle brow horror movies that's actually about like grief and trauma and whatnot. And it's like a very forgettable movie, except for her performance, which is like the most out there batshit scenery chewing thing that I have ever seen. Like there's <laughs> scenes where she's just talking like the Mandarin from Iron Man 3 for some reason. <laughs> um <laughs> Dude, she's in Iron yes. Man 3. And, and that made me think, like, wait, did she just, like, hear that voice on the set and be like, oh, my God, I need to do this, like, eight years from now in a horror movie. And the reason why I'm digressing <laughs> so long on this is because everything that I'm saying about Rebecca Hall right now also applies to, like, how we're conceiving of Caroline Polachek as a person. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. uh, okay, last, last digression point before we move to the new wave of the future. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the poster for Nighthouse is making me mad because it's like the lobster poster, but it's worse. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I, need to I don't even really, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I, I don't even really, it's, I have no opinion on the lobster yeah. really, but that's a beautiful a poster. poster. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, that's, you just learned the most, right? Yeah. 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 I remember yeah. ads for this. I haven't seen it though. Uh, it's very good poster. Uh, it's good. Look, it's got just, it's got a stupid, like this, this just does the masking thing stupider. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm producing here. I'm producing. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Okay. No, if, if we're allowed one more silly digression. Um, hey, Rex, <laughs> yes. introduce, like tell them when to skip ahead to, if they don't want spoilers for the night house, but also I fundamentally don't care. Here's spoilers for the night house, right? There is a repeated line where, like, her husband's dead and he left her a suicide note that was talking about how, like, you know, you were right. Nothing is after you. There is nothing. You are safe now. And what you find out that that means, like, 15 minutes before the movie ends is that there is a demon named Nothing that is pursuing her. So nothing is after you has that hidden double meaning. And that's maybe the dumbest twist I've ever heard in a movie. Uh... That absolutely sucks. Oh, my God. Good. The Night House. Uh, this episode of Hot Sp Singles was brought to you by The Night House uh, in theaters forever. Uh, this summer in theaters. Is what the poster in theaters says. forever. The never-ending roadshow for The Night House. All right. And so, um, yeah. I, I bet nobody went to go see this movie up top. I saw it. Hey. 
Okay, sorry, my bad, my no, bad, my no, bad. No, my you're bad. allowed. I <laughs> e- endless grace and forgiveness for for shit like that. But I think it's about time to. What was it? New wave of the future? New wave of the future. It's it's, it's the, the new, new wave, wave of the, the future. future. Celebrity best friend ever. Am I recording? Am I extreme? Strictly business. Uh, The debut album from Six Impala's Underscores, Fishmonger, is the last album on our docket today. I I love this record so, 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 so much. Uh, Underscores... Uh, as I mentioned, part of the uh, the the electronic producer collective Six Impala. I love all those guys so much. Uh, I need all of them to drop albums. Mm-hmm. Um, so bad. It's but like their 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 combined work, uh, like Rubber. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of the second album right now, but that has amazing singles for it, like Toy Car. Um, and uh, this is uh this is underscores. Uh debut record it's they've had a couple of eps in the past like very that which like immediately elevated them in the uh in the hierarchy of like soundcloud electronic twitter to be like okay this guy this like this this person is going to blow up like now Mm -hmm. like now now um and like it's you know it's like very i i it's like lively lively future based music is what i would describe their original work as Mm -hmm. Um, and they've they're taking a lot of like the 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 outsider hyper pop stuff that's coming up right now, like like Osquin, 
uh, and stuff like that and like combining it with this this beautiful uh like this this early 2000s like uk like garage rock like pop punk and like really beautiful melodic indie songwriting um all wrapped up in like this this like <laughs> it's this is i, I i'm sorry i'm co- i'm just completely blanking yeah. uh it's it's got so much in it like it's 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 bursting at the seams to show you itself i fucking love um, this album so much it's, it's so great it's so cute um, yeah it's so awesome. I, I just i feel like i need to do this because we're we're finally at a generation where this is a thing you can do with these uh-huh. people yeah um clearly as a 13 year old devon cup slash underscores went on a course on dubspot which is like this like big mass training production course system thing and like yeah i can just feel like just in the same way that everyone says like they heard skrillex for the first time it changed their life that there is a whole like wave of people who heard all sorts of different bits of dance music and just like got set on courses that transformed them yeah at the same time as the best most interesting things are like digesting so much more from that and like it's the so much more that makes this album so special yeah (laughs) i just i just wanted to say like speaking to how like underscores grew up like publicly absorbing so much um so much of like the early like 2010s like electronic music the uh on underscores music channel the most popular video is from 2014 which is a it's it's a it's what uh what underscores underscores made a live stream highlights video a virtual riot making a dubstep drop in 10 minutes and you can see that it's underscores name is there and it has almost 2 million views yes yes this is the culture this it's is it really, this is it right really here sweet um and like that's that 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 love and reverence for like just like digging into and like not mining like cuz it's i don't think underscores like does any like there, there's nothing cynically done on this record. It's it's all like complete heart on sleeve, um, like just explosions of things that they love. Yeah, and um, and, and I, I I think that's something that's like really good about this album, and that's really good about a lot of the best hyperpop, is the mm-hmm. idea that like um, okay, brief digression. There was um like an interview uh with 100 gex where they were talking about how like yeah people will tell us what our influences are in a way that feels really weird like we've heard so many times that like so obviously you guys are really influenced by broken side and like no no not at all um and (laughs) and i i I think that like you know i understand and and totally like agree with their frustration about that but i think that like a big part of what makes um like a a hyperpop record like fishmonger work so well is that like regardless of whether the artist had a specific track in mind a specific record in mind a specific like style and moment in mind it can be something that like pulls you back to it in a way that like you are so powerfully like drawn to i listened to um the, the opening track 70% and think like, oh fuck, this sounds like Kaito. I haven't listened to Kaito in like almost two decades. Those guys are fucking <laughs> cool. I have no idea if Underscores knows Kaito. I listen to a lot of the, mm-hmm. the tracks here that have this kind of like very sort of like um 
the more down tempo ones uh, uh, that that have kind of just like this this very like chill breathy rock uh, vibe to them and think like this makes me feel about how I heard the first time I heard Third Eye Blind's third album. And that's an amazing compliment because like I fucking love that yeah. record still. And like again, I have no fucking idea if like underscores knows or, or, or cares about Third Eye Blind in any like real way. But it's this way where like it makes you feel like your childhood was every childhood. It makes you feel like your influences yep. and your nostalgia are every influence and every nostalgia. Yeah. And like I don't want to just reduce this album to nostalgia in the same way that I don't want to reduce Farah to like, you know, oh, this was generative on, on future music. Oh, electronic Laura Palmer. Blah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it's, it's so fucking powerful that like, w when you said that this is a, a way of like uh, wrapping up so many things that underscores loves and, and turning them into something like really sweet and really beautiful it's it's that amazing feeling of just being like oh this this really feels like so many amazing memories that i have and a bunch that i don't have as well um yeah. and and, yes. and i feel like that's um, all you can ask for from like a hyperpop record so yes it's so there's there's a couple points that i want to get into in no disparate order uh it's i will say i do feel bad just recommending uh, that you guys listen to fishmonger and not the 3 20 minute dj sets that uh underscores did uh, which mixes like unreleased underscore songs with stuff that like where you can hear um, uh, like underscores is like like literal influences on this record. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to it's if if it if it pleases the crowd, I'm just going to uh, like scroll through some of yeah. these. So it's a uh, it's a uh, so secondhand embarrassment uh, like transitions into a cover of Avril Lavigne's Skater Boy because they're the exact same chord progression. Mm -hmm. Um uh gorillas do you thing uh miramasa raw youth collage uh the pillows the streets uh radioheads in rainbows specifically um oh i just saw cornelius and i made myself really sad and angry Fuck. uh um but it's i i will say it's there's there are there there is a i think there is a cornelius phantasma type bent to this record it's like it's not it's there's there's so much like again it's just an explosion of sound and now um now that this this can be phantasma now in my mind and that's yeah, fine that's we did it. yeah um and you got like bjork beck gex uh madonna uh phoebe bridgers uh webcam 2 uh c418 uh ryuchi sakamoto uh toji uh, and Loreless's solo stuff, which uh, great pull, yeah, excellent pull. Loreless's solo stuff is so, so fucking good. Um, and uh, it's I'd like to uh, I'd like to continue this point into uh, uh, cover watch, where uh, so much of this record uh, visually is uninterested with where I think like people believe hyperpop to exist on a visual level. Um, it's the um. It's like the the record is the record is explicitly for like hyper pop kids in the Midwest. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like it's this 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 record exists in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's in the music videos. Like there's like there's like uh like large vast fields. Uh, like fishing under the docks. Um, like really like yeah like uh like kitschy hotel rooms. 
like a, a a literal abandoned haunted house at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in in the where when you look at like the official upload of the album on, on YouTube, it's like the album cover is like a water tower with a big smiley face drawn on it, and um, the YouTube upload is kind of like that image being kind of like you know blearily zoomed in and out on and you can kind of see like the initial surroundings um and that appears to be the american football house to the left of the water tower sure fucking does look like the american football house (laughs) but you know obviously it's just Um, like every every house in an anonymous town in the midwest looks like that yeah yes uh i also wanted to mention the 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 uh the fishmonger full album stream is a real-time recording of that like at the very end you can see that the the sun has completely gone down oh that's so cool um, i didn't realize that yeah it's it's uh it's this this record is um it's like it's a uh, you know well like there's there's like tiny like little logos and stuff across like album trailers um and stuff that that help to center it more visually but i i love that this record is so uninterested in the in the in the visual look of hyper pop because i think that would do it um yeah that would uh, not to that that wouldn't reduce it but i think that would align it um uh more in line with like other records in a way that i think this record should not be treated um and like it's like even the like it, like gex to an extent like their visual look is not contingent on what um you know people would understand to be hyper pop like there's no like blingy stuff anywhere there's no uh there's there's nothing that like really celebrates internet culture um in like the visuals across these two. Gex especially Gex is really more convinced with like showing you like um like the the Halo 1 remastered graphics. Yes. Yes. Um uh and M- Mikey Joyce is the goat for the record. He's that's uh I just wanted that on wanted that on recording. Mm-hmm. But uh it's it's I I really think that it's you know when when there's there's just no there's no like slick visual look to this record i think that 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 definitely speaks to that like small town middle of nowhere resonance where there's just there's there's nothing in an aesthetic like cone of vision for you so you have to go find other stuff um and that's 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 what i find so beautiful about the, like just the cover art being like a a grainy film picture of the smiling jersey tower so good it's a, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, tightening up slightly on like, you said that hiding in the in the set was the fact that what was it? Um, the second hand embarrassment is the same song as Avril Lavigne's as Skater, Skater Boy. Boy, and the other pull that I did a couple of days ago, which you can see that the clip there of Hannah. I'm not sure you saw it or not. I um, did, yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, Delmore County Fair 2008 is the same song as Phoebe Bridges's um, Halloween, which is one of my favorite, I think my favorite Phoebe Bridges song. 
Um, they are literally the same chord sequence, just slightly rearranged in structure. Um, I wanted to ask, like, the bits on this album that clicked for me were the bits that weren't, like, again, because everyone, everyone's childhood was not my own childhood. And I did not have a yep. pop-punk childhood or an emo childhood. Which means that, like, tracks like 70% or Spoiler Little Brat, like, didn't land in the same way as I would expect them for most of this album's audience. It's just that, like, the same suburban malaise gets communicated in, like, indie folk and in, like, New Star UK Garage and post-dubstep stuff, which is, like, why Where Did You Fall and Delmar County are my favourite tracks on this record. Um, mm-hmm. And its ability to, like, draw from them very disparately is, like, really, really remarkable. At the same time, like, in its emotional moments, do you still feel it drawing from that same space? Or, like, am I right in, like, thinking it's at some point to sing a songwriting project as well? Like, it's at some point it's... it's yeah, 100... Yeah. Oh, my God, 100%. Um, it's uh one of my favorite one of my favorite things that I've ever read was a was a review for this record on Rate Your Music. It's it's like a it's it's like a five star review and it just reads show off. <laughs> <laughs> it really is that omnivorous. But yeah, I wasn't sure whether yeah. I just had like a slightly impoverished understanding of what like either and or any of like pop punk or Midwest emo was like really capable of, and whether I was like he- forcing myself to hear in other material because i wasn't clicking with what i thought that that like content was or that like uh that like a uh, stylistic approach was but yeah like there is also just a big streak of just straight up hip-hop in there there's just like poppy hip-hop in here yeah. yes and and they're like all the sorts of things that structure it are familiar with for me coincidentally apart from the pop punk <laughs> like that's the one bit that i don't have this like gut level instinct knowledge of like how it fits in my life and like the emotional swoop of it like i know exactly how like poppy poppy hip-hop fits just as much as i know exactly how much like what what would it be it would be like mount kimby or um (laughs) fucking uh uh king cruel or jamie woon that like early Mm -hmm. 2000s uh early 2010s like uk like slowly venturing towards r&b garage and dubstep stuff it's uh i just i wanted to make a point um uh and that i'm very brave for being for also being a trans person that did not have um uh, pop punk <laughs> as an extensive uh childhood factor uh. um it's i played a lot of video games and there's there are a couple like uh, it's and this is me doing a like dissect podcast shit here but there <laughs> there's there are some there are some video game samples on this um it's uh like secondhand embarrassment. It's specifically from like Super Smash Brothers Melee, yeah. which I think is that's it's, a uh, the it's this that that's a beautiful space for this record to exist in is Melee. Yeah. Um, where it's uh the first uh the first noise on secondhand embarrassment is Jigglypuff going like peh. Um, <laughs> Jigglypuff does go like that as a thing. And you you can hear it. It's 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 the uh it's 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 like the kick drum in the Simpsons theme. Like once you once you hear it, you'll never be able to unhear yeah. it. Um and uh where did you fall? Uh the uh the uh the fucking like the uh like the uh the three fourths snare, like the mm. um that's uh that's when you step on a Koopa shell in Melee as yes. well. Yes. Oh my god, it is it's uh, it's a it's a it's a beautiful it's like again just like so it's me who only listened to like video game music as a kid i was like oh my god oh my god what um it's uh 
I just it's again like this this album is everywhere and nowhere. Yeah. Um, I love I, it. Yeah, it, it God, it's strange because like again, uh, both being British, it it tends to do this to you, but also not being a like a massive massive gamer. Like I had other ins and reference points, and like I got into gaming in weird circuitous ways because like it gave me a like narrative things that I was after when I was slightly older and I wasn't super into it. I was fucking playing FIFA at this point and that's all I was playing. And then mm-hmm. slowly I realized mm-hmm. that I wanted something more out of games and that happened at a later time. But yeah, like the, oh, the register it has is just like so intensely familiar, even if the source material isn't. Like the stance it has towards all of its source material is just like this gleeful, appropriative attitude that is so fond of what it's dealing with. Like, I think I learned that attitude so much from a mix of like vapor or particularly vaporwave stuff. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the ability to digest your source material and like understand both it's like uncoolness or maybe sometimes vulgarity, but like taking the technically impressive and important stuff, but also like certain emotional hits and beats from it yeah. with like sincerity and passion and real regard for like what you want to do with it. It's just something that I like massively respect and can feel drenched in this album with all of its like nostalgia and all of its like pulls and all of it. Even if I don't directly understand them, they're always there and you always feel that that's the, the, the approach, that's the attitude it has. So It just so, vibes with me really strongly. So here's, here's what I can say, uh, a couple of things. Um, I think that like the way that this album is capable of like interpreting several different like source movements for the music um within the same song in a way that doesn't feel jarring because we talked about how like generatively jarring it can feel in uh like the pharaoh record when it'll just completely Mm -hmm. turn on a dime in the middle of a track a track here that turns on a dime in the middle of it is for example your favorite sidekick where like the first half of it is like it's a very kind of like glossy, like bright type of hyper pop that's kind of like Hannah Diamond type shit. It's kind of like some shit that you might find on Tree of Clues. Um, yeah, and this is Dylan it, Bra- that, that screams Dylan Brady to me in my head. Yeah. yeah. And it, it transitions very effortlessly into this like really euphoric pop punk breakdown at the end that is like one of my favorite moments on the record. Um, and it doesn't feel like it's it's like out of the blue it feels like from the emotions that are being expressed throughout that first half this is the only place that it could have gone yeah um you know what it really reminds me of obliquely um it reminds me of what i really liked about the first arcade fire record funeral Uh, which is fucking full of these tracks where it's like three minutes worth of like really slow kind of like lush buildup and then the last minute is like a really like intense like dance punk dance pop breakdown um crown of love is one of these you know yeah no i, um, I know exactly and it's, what you mean. it's God, the same so cool. type of thing of like the it's it's the the music doesn't necessarily like, you know, immediately flow into each other, but like the emotional truth flows from one to the other in a way that it's just like, I'm very much in awe of it. Yeah, no, Tunnels is literally that. It like, yes, this, exactly. like rises 15 BPM through the course of the track, slowly building up from like slow, like thrumming, like bass led thing to just like hammering on pianos. Like this is, that's the way it gets where it needs to go is this like, it, it is that sense of like inevitability, but that like, the transition there is between like 
subdued and calm indie to like big exuberant arena filling indie and that like that yeah. feels entirely in keeping with a band that is as big and as boisterous and as like intent on like capturing this <laughs> outsized emotionality as Arcade Fire. Wait, wait, okay, okay, guys, can I tell you a very quick story about genre bending and the Arcade Fire? By all means. Okay, so I had this friend in high school named John who was like the kind of nerd who only listens to like show tunes. Um, cool. And like, like really dorky show tunes, right? Like not even like Sondheim, um, but like below Sondheim on the the ladder of like what is cool for a theater kid to listen to. And I remember one time, because I was really big into Arcade Fire at the time, and I played a Neighborhood 3 power out for him. And after about like 30 seconds, he he like crinkles up his nose at it and says, I'm sorry, I'm not really into heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> no relevance to what we're talking about i just wanted to, no. to hear your reaction to that you got some noises out of me i hope there was satisfactory noises it was oh, yeah God. i got everything i wanted uh... um okay back to fishmonger something that i fucking love about this record is that i think maybe more than any record i've ever heard it reminds me of um what I've really loved in my life about making music and writing music. Um, I've like written, uh, like co-written, co-produced a, a couple of uh, electronic albums. Um, they're not particularly very good, but I'm still very like proud of them and affectionate about them in a lot of ways. And I think that like the process of writing those when it felt the most kind of like uplifting and, and happy was um it was really as simple as just like hearing a track that i really liked and being like oh shit i want to make my version of this and being like well how would that work like would this actually fit with like the style of music that's on the rest of this project would this fit with like what i'm actually capable of doing in like you know logic or pro tools or whatever i'm using and the answer was like, I don't know. It'll be really fucking fun to find out though. Yeah. And I, I, the, the way that this album like comes together and does not feel um, like bound by anything, does not feel kind of like demarcated. Um, I think that like even something like 100 Gex is more demarcated than this. There will be like, this is the happy hardcore song, you know? This is the, the, the song that's like, really blowing your bass out much more than anything else on here. And um, that's not to like say that they're like, you know, really rigid or constrained songwriters, but I think that there is a level through which this one kind of like um, jumps around and takes a lot of these good ideas and adds a lot of their own really good ideas in, in ways that like really remind me of how fucking fun it can be to write music. Um, and I, I, I adored listening to this so much. Again, like, I think to a degree, this comes back to the, the I, this isn't like a ubiquitous thing. This isn't a, a thing. It's the, it's not the only trick that hyperpop is pulling, but like the, the producer is like the person you're in conversation with, um, yeah. above yes. and beyond like the performer or the songwriter. Um, that feels so true about this this album. Like this is an album that like yeah. wants to communicate with you through the way it manages music in a way that I really find appealing. Yeah. Um. Uh. 
I could I uh, sorry, could I also just talk about the uh the lyrics on this yeah, record? Yeah. Um where it's I uh it's I I feel like uh underscores also has a like has a lot in common with uh with uh Kevin Abstract. Like Bro- mm-hmm. Brockhampton like like sonically obviously like like it's is a percentage of this record. But specifically in uh in underscores and Kevin's like lyricism um and like there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of I, I this has been happening in like lots of like uh like incoming pop music as well where they they will they will try to center um uh and it it may just be like I I could be being cynical here and like it might just be for like branding purposes so it's like you have like something to put on a shirt mm-hmm. but like there's there's lots of like uh places that that center there's lots of like themes that center uh like this record like like obviously like the new wave of the future stuff but like 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 trying to put in like ye- like having years specifically talking about uh like concerns like like i whenever i hear uh whenever i hear like it's the new wave of the future i hear kevin abstracts like the 199 is here on arizona baby or something mm-hmm. um where it's like it's these it's these 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 uh these homebrew samples to help center your record into its own little world um, can, and I, uh, underscores... can I quickly interrupt and oh. say the terrible thing that Absolutely. this made me think of is this yes. perfect like where were you in like geolocate time like locate builds this like artificial kind of lo- local connection it immediately made me think of 2014 Forest Hills Drive which is just no. the, the meanest possible thing to do I'm very very sorry why, why not just do like the why not why couldn't you just do like the boom 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 but from Watch the Throne, why couldn't you have just why couldn't you have just said a thing that we all tolerate? I'm, I'm very sorry, but I mean, you literally were like talking about these like two aspects and like right there together on top of each other. And <laughs> it's true. I, That's that that is literally, it's literally correct, correct. And I hate it. I'm sorry. I have, I have my own stupid um, digression here, and it's that you talking yes. about Kevin Abstract in the context of this really makes me think that somebody should do a uh, mashup of a Brockhampton song with a Six and Paula song. <laughs> that just needs to happen now. Yeah. Oh man. It's uh no uh Regs, I'm afraid Hannah is uh Hannah is pulling your leg by uh suggesting this because I ha I um sorry, a a, a lovely friend of mine named Buchanan has already <laughs> done such a thing. Uh, the um, entire entire and... digression that I will probably cut out the podcast. I didn't fucking realize you had a band camp until yesterday. <laughs> what? What? I every time I've listened to I mean, Rat I... King, I've listened to it on SoundCloud. I didn't realize I, I could, did put it up on SoundCloud for that I reason. I didn't realize I could find it elsewhere. <laughs> but like look at look at how look at how nice my Buchanan logo is in my header. I'm looking at it right fucking now. I'm and I oh. I, I have all my single art and Wait, stuff. I, I didn't did realize until statistic. just now that your Discord display name is Bo Cannon. What the fuck? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, it's uh don't worry about <laughs> it. It happened for reasons. So who knows why? Um, uh, but yeah, just uh, I needed to get that off my fucking chest because literally the, the only reason that I kept attending Spotify, sorry, not Spotify, SoundCloud for any meaningful reason was apart from uploading mixes was to listen to Rat King. <laughs> that is it. It's I, I will say on Rat King, it's I do have a little readme document which has some fun little like lore and stuff tying into the mm. the uh, the the world that you will never see. Of yeah, Rat no, King. again, like I read that and like um. massively enjoyed it. It's important to me. It's I love that record, and yet, yeah. and yet, I could have downloaded this. I could not have needed to fucking go to 
fucking SoundCloud, an app I actively dislike, in order to listen to a thing that I really care <laughs> a about. Terrible, terrible program. Terrible, terrible I platform. It's, it. I poop I on it. I just downloaded it. You, you could have just downloaded it. And as it's, I know you're cutting this out, but you could have downloaded it. And as well as my other four landmark albums, plus offline listening links to all of my mixes. Jesus. I, I, that's boo. That's that's boocannon.bandcamp.com. That's B-O-O-C-A-N-A-N.B-A-N-D-C-A-M-P.com. I'm leaving it in now. It's too, it's too good <laughs> an ad. I can't, I have to leave it in. Well, I'll have time um, for plugs at the end. <laughs> of course, of course. No, it's, uh, it's uh i do like um my i think my favorite lyric on this record there's there's so many good places to uh to 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 park at but i think uh on uh on kinko's field trip uh fuck celebrities i might as well just copy my friends is baller that's that is that is the hardest line i have ever heard that is actually the song that i wanted to like if i got a chance to pull up and be like what in like we keep talking about this pulling from other places, pulling from other registers, other artists. What other registers or artists or genres do you think Kinko's Field Trip is pulling from for, for you two? Because I'm interested in the answer because I feel like mine might be a different answer and I'm interested in what yours might be just to see if it actually lines up. I'm going to be honest. I did not. Uh, I it's it's that's one of the ones where it's I again, I, I don't have like that, that like pop punk, like crunchy break. Uh, like background so it's it's de- i definitely do not uh have uh I, it's you're asking the wrong buchanan i'm sorry regs hannah do you have a do you have an answer god i don't have necessarily like a specific song or band that i'm thinking of but like what i'll say is that like it, it, this one doesn't necessarily make me think of third eye blind but it makes me think of the person that i was when third eye blind was my favorite band uh-huh, okay. um it, 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 it makes me think of like a lot of this uh kind of like in the in the, the the crossover period from when i was listening to like alternative radio in the early 2000s to when i started to become like an indie kid in around like 2004 or so and that feels like a very important like uh bridge period right um mm. and and this this really like it does kind of evoke like the feelings that i had um during that time and and it's just that hook is so like fun that hook is so like relaxing to listen to uh, in yeah. a way that i really love yeah so the the pull for me is Cassie headrest um oh, oh interesting see i'm not i'm not that gay <laughs> uh, blah 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 oh, good so yeah both in the sense that like the first half of the track still exists and like the emotional core of the track is this like slow self-deprecating like incisive like drawl like i can't tell whether this is like absolutely hilariously sarcastic or like deathly terrifyingly like on your own back um and then inevitably needing to be released in the most like exuberant and also fucking catchy chorus and hook can i can i tell you my two favorite sets of lyrics on this song uh, or on this uh record and they come from kind of like opposite places mm, yeah yes okay number one spoiled little brat fucking love that song so fun so cute so sick in my head constantly um 
and uh, there's two ones from here that that like that I really like. I fucking had to stop the record and like con contain myself laughing for like three minutes um, the first time because like the the hook of this is shut your mouth, listen up and I deserve yeah and that moment when a deserve hits just fucked me up so much it's so funny it's so powerful it's awesome. in in a way where it's just like no yes that's true i believe it i i am this like you know absolute like little dipshit teen who says that again you know um and, yeah. and that song i feel like uh, my actual like kind of favorite lyrical moment in it is the pre-chorus um which is like it's two different sets of lyrics each time. The first time is thinking about a little something, something, and myself to man a couple tattoos. Gossip about a little something, even something, something, even though nobody ever asked you. Uh, two, three, four, and in the chorus. And I fucking love the rhythm of that so much. It it like yes, it's such a perfect transition from the verse to the hook. It is so like. It reminds me of like everything that just immediately made me say like, "Oh shit! I think I really love Paramore. I think I really love Fall Out Boy. I think I'm a yeah. faggot." <laughs> <laughs> um, um, like right when I was like, you know, which way Western man, and uh, from like I could I could be, you know, like following in my big brother's footsteps and listening to like everything that got a nine point five on Pitchfork in the mid two thousands, or. I could listen to like all the like, you know, mall emo shit where it's like, you know, Paramore, Fall Out Boy, obviously MCR, um, Hawthorne Heights, like that type of shit. And I immediately thought to myself, well, publicly, I will do the first one because that seems cooler. But I am absolutely <laughs> going to continue fun. listening to all this shit um, and, yeah. and like embrace that like, you know, pop emo sensibility. Um, yeah, so, so have we established which kind of homosexual we all are? Um, mm. Boo is a Caroline Polachek homosexual. Hannah is a uh, Paramore homosexual. Paramore homosexual, yeah. I am a Cassie Hedris homosexual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like... It, it, it works. Is, it absolutely works. Faggot Nick Fury is appearing at the end of the movie to recruit us all into a team. God. <laughs> Uh, okay but but i it's mean the, the avengers theme but the avengers theme with just like sophie snare wet underscore yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh, uh, that does so remind good. me of a thing that i need to show us before we we tap out but but the, the point being that this album has all of those on it yeah is is this a queer album i think implicitly it is just because you can find that yes. kind yeah. of like like again that kind of like relationship to teenage emotional expression and how you struggle through it and find sublime bits in it all the way through it but in radically was, different ways I, all over the place i yeah. was gonna say it's i i this is a found family album yeah. uh <laughs> yeah. the and uh and i it's I, I think you can be you can be cynical about that in in some way but it's i i do it's yeah. like it's you can argue for for like a lot of like midwestern kids uh that like music is like a found family thing where it's like these are the people that okay you know gave gave me love when uh nobody else here's here's uh, what i'll even, say like, about found family about um because i make fun of this term constantly 
And I think that there's yep. there's really bad kinds of found family and there's really good kinds of found family. The bad kind of found family is when uh, you get so emotional about a D&D podcast that you have no choice but to spend thousands of dollars. Yes. The good kind of found family is when it's you and five other fucking idiots in a shitty field in the Midwest and you're like, I would fucking die for you guys. And then like yeah. the next day yeah. you have like the 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 pettiest most meaningless argument with one of them like that's good found yeah. family and that's a hundred percent the register of this yeah. um i i like didn't get to do quite as much of it as i wanted to because like i was you know one of those like gifted kids who was pressured into a lot of like overachieving stuff but like i was also a midwest dirtbag who like you know, had a 24 hour period where I watched a dark night twice in theaters and played laser tag and watched animal fight videos on YouTube and went out into the woods and punched each other whilst quoting the Joker at each other and like hugging each other and saying, I fucking love you, man. And that's a hundred percent the vibe of these, these songs. And like, that's found family. That's the good version of found family right there. I'll make a personal admission. I was never that kid. I get to be that in my 20s and it's even more fun, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Hell um, yeah. Yeah, entirely sincerely. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and this is the shit that allows you to like find that and indulge in it because yeah, no, I was still listening to the music and just different kinds of experiences that went along with it. Mm -hmm. um, and this is why it was important for me to like find the classy headdress and Phoebe Bridges in this record. Yeah. Because it parcels that stuff up, the stuff that I'm intensely familiar with in a like the more... I don't know, artsy fartsy register for what, for like lack of more sophisticated terms to describe it. And like okay. hands it back to me in a way that like lets me share it with other people intelligibly um, without the barriers of this like cultural cachet or even class shit associated with it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. So, very quickly, other song on this that we haven't talked about and that I just want to shout out like the, the composition lyrics of. Because it's easily the most simple song on it. It doesn't do any of the kind of like interpolating multiple different kinds of genres and, and like there's no frenetic energy to it. It is all in one register. It is called the fish song and it makes me cry every time. Yes, the fish song. It's uh, yes, we need to talk about the the uh, like the the slower ambient part of this record too before yeah. our time's up. Mm -hmm. Cuz like if um, I recall, it's like a fucking 4 minute like instrumental break that leads into fish song. And yes, like, uh, dry, dry Lane 2001 mm -hmm. featuring the uh, the much more like straightforwardly hyper pop knapsack. Yeah, uh, but still still amazing. It's I, it, it I, ends I with this again. It's uh, sorry. Uh, uh, I uh, so it it ends. It's I, I will say it's uh, like Dryland. Uh, Dryland's first half almost seems like underscore is doing like a parody of themselves. Mm. <laughs> um but like it's i mean that again like in a positive way like it 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 feels like like it's if this track was just by itself it'd be like okay this this sounds like every other song and i like it and then it hits the the pop punk breakdown and then it slowly starts moving down in bit rate yeah um until this this just this just that uh, sorry i'm just listening to it right now if i can give you a sec to buffer i will say for hannah's benefit dryland sounds like what if um broken social scene accidentally became a ska band with the thing yes. i'm thinking constantly all the way yes. <laughs> it's, it's that guitar tone is just Im impeccable and i love it and you only get it uh, two bars at a time because then it switches back to the, like, the pokey side stick stuff it's incredible yeah yeah 
it's it's so beautiful i love the i oh my god i need i need underscores to like score a coming of age movie just with all this kind of shit so bad yeah like listen listen to those like like it's listen to those it's uh viewers please put this song on and just go to like like three minutes and 50 seconds in which is where i'll I am. put it in the i'll put it in the recording <laughs> oh it's wonderful like just listen to those like low quality like bird chirps that that like it's like it's like these just these these crumbling like field recordings and stuff under like these these beautiful just like repetitions yeah just just like like close your eyes and like think about like i don't know like 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 think about like the road that you grew up on like think about yeah, uh, like it's, think about like four. Think about the four by three aspect ratio with me for a second. It's 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 the disintegration loops for kids who spend a lot of time growing up like crying in abandoned haunted houses. It's, yes. I was about to say it's the quality of a degraded Scooby Doo VHS tape. Yes. Um, but the, but the new anime, the new like like computer animated ones, not the not the seventies. Yes. Okay. 70s okay. Ones. And then that little like, yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. It's very pretty. Um, and, and then it heads into fish song, right? Yeah. Yes. Cause like it's so fish song is just a very kind of like straightforward. Um, it's it's you know like the fish is a metaphor, but it's also just a real story of what happened to a real fish. Um, and it's like based on an account of like this this rare fish, the rare golden bangus, uh, which was found uh, in I believe a like town in the Philippines, and um, was like died pretty quickly, unfortunately, once like you know kept in captivity because like the you know the place trying to keep it in captivity just didn't have like the um, the facilities like properly set up for it. And it's like, it's the world's most obvious metaphor, right? It's like, you know, loneliness will kill you. Like, you know, uh, not being in a, a place where you can, like, be with people that you love or, or people that, like, understand you or people that are, like, equipped to be there for you is, is like, this form of fatal heartbreak, right? And regardless of it being, like, such a straightforward metaphor, um, which there's not that much of on the rest of this this album. Um, it's, it's, it's a style of lyricism that is kind of, like, stands out on its own on the album, I feel like. But it's so fucking good, and it makes me feel, like, it makes my heart absolutely break for this fish every time I hear about it. Mm -hmm. the, the one line that just... I'm sorry, you can edit this. Aww. You can edit this out if you need to. Um, okay, uh, the line is, it was something of a mascot till one day they had found its silver belly facing up. Yep. And the fact that it, it flips on that hinge so quickly fucking breaks my heart. That like, mm -hmm. the mascot part is so fucking cute. And the fact that I can't even quote that whole line without getting to the part where it dies is like, that is such a powerful like move in writing the lyrics of this. Um, it's, it, it, it's so good. Um, it's such a beautiful story. And like, I think that one thing that we've been talking about with like, or, or that we've been kind of like, you know, um, talking around, I guess with like the, the quality of the vocals on this album is that like, 
there are some of the like kind of standard um like hyper pop pitch shifts that underscores uses for their own mm-hmm. voice um but like their own like natural singing voice is also like incredibly pretty um yes. and and like it's it's not a voice that like at least on this record it doesn't show off like a lot of like power or control the way that like caroline does but like for a a a small and like low-key song like this it's such a gorgeous voice that like it has some effects on it right there's like some reverb effects on the the voice in this song but like it's so beautiful and it's like exactly the right vocal tone for for like what this song needs to be yeah again like it flows straight into a literal phoebe bridges track and it reminds me of that like really careful smallness in a beautiful way um obviously different styles of vocalists different registers different everything but like the care in it is yeah so so obvious the the other thing about the vocal production like the thing that being so heavily in electronic spaces offers is also some really creative use of space um reverb and delay on this like the swells and the tails and the like the the the, like way it like sometimes bounces back in like very unreal and very like very affecting ways is yeah so so good fish song's great yeah rip to the fish shout out to the fish Mm um i feel like that's about all i got on this record i i think i think we i think we went real long real hard and it's it's a it's a beautiful beautiful record i love it so so much it's incredible yeah um (sighs) can i steal a few more minutes of your time to get a live reaction to a song just because this was it did end up being the hyperpop podcast so i wanted to like bring in an artifact to you to like expose you to it and get some instant reaction and see how you dealt with it if that's all right yes yeah um we obviously need the the classic uh, hot singles live reaction so i'm gonna get pull this up i'm ready let's fucking go okay uh let me know oh do this mm-hmm. let uh, me know when to start wait wait uh, wait wait, wait. Okay. whenever we're ready ready now ready to go boo Three, two, one, go. Oh my gosh. Don't you know I'm For the benefit savage? of the listeners, what we're listening I'm to is the track Savage by the group Esper, a K-pop group under the label SM Entertainment. Boo, the thing that reminded me of this was you said Sophie underscore snare underscore underscore four. Yeah, this is just this is just Uru snare tinny. It literally is. Two different Umru snares on the two and the four. Like you recognize that, right? Yeah. This is awesome. So the fact that K-pop is doing hyperpop isn't remarkable in its own terms, but we spent best part of two hours talking about exactly the ways in which people exploiting the limits of pop music can understand what they're doing with it Mm -hmm. and i think this might be the most impressive complete misunderstanding of pop music i've ever heard (laughs) Um, also all all of these girls are dressed like the chromatica are yes in a in in very disparate ways it's god that snare is so hot though my god it's a great snare um you scream about Caroline Polachek. I also scream about Caroline Polachek, but I'm into K-pop for many reasons. 
<laughs> Hot people included. Yeah. Hannah, what's uh, what are what are your thoughts? Uh, exploring. God. Um. So like, I'm not someone who has like a lot of like exposure to, uh, to K-pop. Like I've listened to most uh Blackpink tracks. <laughs> And, yep. you know, uh, getting a lot of Boss Baby vibes from this, so to speak. Oh, yeah. This really oh, yeah. feels like it's the cliff that um, Black Pink kind of keeps running right up to and then chickening yep. out from in a lot of their tracks. You're 100% right. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but in terms of what lies at the bottom of the cliff, the, 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 the second half of the track just starts, like, going completely off the rails in a way that is genuinely impressive. Um, but yeah, um, I've talked about this a lot. I, I can plug the other music podcast I do and will be coming back hopefully very soon is Stan Ontology, which is trying to explain what the fuck is up in K-pop. Um, it does push boundaries in very interesting ways. When it incorporates new forms in Western pop music, it tends to do it with like... Oh, by the way, yeah, they have um, digital or virtual versions of themselves who do like... Hey, you remember when KDA happened, the League of Legends gold? Yeah. Same vibe, but they're, they're, they're in the Kwangya. It's a whole thing. They've got a law. It's great. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah. Here's where we start. Go on places. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, K-pop digesting Western pop music tends to emphasize harmony. It loves really, really lush R&B harmony, and it loves textures that it can juxtapose stuff with. And often that means it pushes into places that make no sense in Western pop forms. Um, and the final chorus here is like the thing I wanted to get to. Oh, I've got breakdown. I forgot this. Yeah, we're approaching it. Yeah. But you, you get the point. Yeah, like, this is this is already like uh, kind of like stuffed and crunchy to the point where like one of the the, the like reference points that it's reminding me of is uh Sophie's Pony Boy. Oh yeah. Um just just like the the kind of like overproduction to the point of it being like a very deliberate like sonic choice. Yeah. Alright. So you've heard that final chorus now. Yes. I yes. have listened to that final chorus maybe eight, ten, more, dozen times. Sure. That's polytonal. Uh, the ad-libs <laughs> are literally in a key a whole tone away from the uh, the the hook. Like, yeah, you'll have heard some funky shit going on there. Gimme, gimme now, gimme, gimme now. Um, that is just not in the same key as the uh, ad-libs. Uh, sorry, it's I'm I'm also invoking a cover watch here. Um, yeah. This is the mo uh the the ending here with the uh Aespa and the the savage uh tight marks here. These are the most Instagram design tight marks that I that I've ever seen. You <laughs> got the incredible. you got the chrome you got the chrome light maps. Uh, you got it's like it's you know, it takes all kinds truly. Yeah. <sighs> um, it, it just like so the, again. The fact that it literally descends into polytonality at the end is just blows my mind. The ad libs and the the, the the gimme gimme now hook are just in different keys. Um, God, it's incredible. At the same time, like 
has this understood what Hyperpop is doing? Is a question that I've been no. like wrestling with mm-hmm. the whole time. And I think the answer is just no. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I did, I did want to uh, like wait for a good time to ask this. Uh, like, sorry, not ask this. I wanted to wait for a good time to spring this. Um, like maybe like two months ago, uh, there was a, there was a slight rumination through what remains of like open pit presents Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, talking about Umru snares specifically, where it's a couple of, uh, hyper pop producers got asked to pr- like, uh, like, or approached to produce stuff for K-pop groups. And they said no, because they were, they, they were like, the rates were like abysmal. hilariously low, ab- like abysmal. So it's when I when I hear like the Umru snare in here, I'm like, okay, these were one of the guys that asked, and they were like, oh, okay, we'll just we'll just take the splice pack, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, it, it, uh, in some ways, desperately cynical, but also fascinating for being like a seven producer or seven producer plus writers mess of a track with like yes <laughs> recognizably four different sections, none of which actually transition into each other successfully, to the yeah. point where like. That there was probably still fighting about the key that the final chorus was in, which never got resolved. Like, absolutely ludicrous mess. It's also racked up 65 million views in five days. Um, <laughs> and might be one of the biggest singles of the year in Korea. Like, this is bonkers to me. And, like, I can't tell what it is. If it's that the marketing machine will be able to, like, force you to, like, integrate all these disparate elements successfully because, like, it's just pushed at you so aggressively hard. Or, like, if there's something genuinely radically interesting and new about the way in which it's misunderstood its source material. (laughs) I can't figure it out. I still, this track confounds me. Yeah. But, yeah, like, this is one of the ways it's going. Um, But the the fact that we're getting (laughs) Um, Umrusnare 7 in, uh, like, tracks that are going to rack up, like, hundreds of millions of views over the course of a year is just, like, that's, this is where we are. Um... Contrast that to, like, Fishmonger is not an unpopular album by any stretch, but the, like, specificity and delicacy. and the, We talk so much about how local it makes itself, how recognizably distinct and, like, particular to times and places it is. Just, like, completely off the deep end compared to this Asper track. Man. Yeah, I'm going to have to marinate with that one for a little bit. It's, it's wild. This track is wild. I love K-pop so much. It throws up all sorts of bullshit. Yeah. Right. <sighs> uh, I like hot pants, so this is a this is a music <laughs> genre in which I am constantly rewarded. Yeah. Uh, for participating in. Exactly. Yeah. There is something for everyone. It's true. Uh, I think it's about time we wrapped up. Um, yeah. Hannah. Hi. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Hannah Yolo on Twitter, which is H-A-N-N-A-H-Y-O-L-E-A-U. You can find my podcast, which is called Do Not Steal, an original character podcast on the Abnormal Mapping Podcast Network. It is half tabletop RPG criticism and half uh, getting really self-indulgent about our OCs. Uh, So give that a listen. It's a really good podcast. I love it. You're going to love it, too. I'm so excited. I am halfway through the current episode. I'm about to get to the OCs bit. So I'm very excited to see where that oh, goes. Oh, fuck yeah. You're going to love these these awful, awful people. Uh, and you- it's Hannah, Hannah, Hannah gave me the preview and I was like, oh, oh <laughs> I love her. I've also seen tiny bits of... We're just telling you, fucking go listen to Do Not Steal. Yeah. It's a go, please yeah, go yeah. listen to Do Not Steal. Please Do go not, listen to Do, Do Not Steal. Do Not Steal 10 is it's out. Really, it's really it's good. It's a great podcast. We're both gushing about yeah. it. It's great. Thank you. Boo. 
where can people find you on the internet? Um, as of today, you can find me uh, <laughs> co-hosting Hot Singles with uh, Regs. Um, but uh, uh, anywhere where you can put a slash or an at, just put Buchanan at the end of that, and you can find me there. Um, it's I make music, SoundCloud, and Bandcamp. Um, <laughs> it's I have an on and off again podcast with my uh, twin brother Declan. Uh, Declan Boo here for you. Um. And that's basically it. And I am Regs. You can find me at Twitter, um, at Twitter on Regression with three S's. Don't forget the third S. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back very soon with another episode of Hot Singles. And what that leaves us to do is make some picks. Um, uh, I can tell, to say, firstly, that we're going to have another guest next week, which is... What? <gasps> Uh, we're going to be joined by Marcy. Um, Gasp! Um, which is very exciting. And she is going to be bringing Playboy Carty's Whole Lot of Red. Yes! I am going to be bringing... Let me get the title accurately. Um, Injury Reserves by the time I get to Phoenix. Yes! I'm very excited about this one. And I, uh, it's uh, right up until maybe like uh, two minutes before we started this plug, I thought I was going to go with Baby Keem's The Melodic Blue. Um, but then what I realized I really wanted to talk about was Pusha T, Daytona. <gasps> oh, hell yeah! <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, that's going to be a really fun episode. That will be with you soon enough. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of Hot Singles. I know I have. Thank you, Boo. Thank you, Hannah. Mm-hmm. We'll be back soon. Peace. Bye, everybody. Bye.